Welcome everyone to the Sweet Sweet Marketing Perspectives podcast. I'm Steve McDonald, your host. And today we have a really interesting conversation because we have Dana Rothman here, who is CMO, currently CMO at Census. But Dana, you've been a CMO two times. You've mm-hmm. actually been a CRO, right? So that working relationship, you've got some really interesting insights on too. Um, you've been an advisor. Um, you've actually been a former content marketer for Marketo. So you've got a really interesting background. And overall, you know, there is this stat that's out in the marketplace, which is B2B CMOs fail faster than anybody else on the C-suite. In fact, twice the rate of CEOs. So playing two different roles on that C-suite, two really important roles as CMO and CRO, we're we're really interested in getting some of your insights today. But but first, if you could just maybe expand on your background a little bit, tell us a little bit about how you got here and what you're doing at Census now. Sure. Yeah. Well, first of all, I'm excited to be here uh, on, on the podcast. I think we have a lot of interesting topics to discuss. Um, so as far as my background, I really started in marketing as content, a content marketer. So content being the foundation for everything that um, that I do. Uh, and I was uh, running content at Marketo, kind of pre and post IPO. Um, obviously being there during that time, I got to get almost like a PhD in marketing because everything that I wrote about were, you know, what is the latest and greatest best practices that our customers as marketers should follow. Um, and so I learned, I got to learn everything from, you know, lead generation to event marketing to marketing analytics, which gave me a really interesting uh, foundation to kind of kick my career off of. Um, also at that time, I was contacted by Wiley Publishing to write lead generation for dummies as like a published author, which was a really interesting experience as well. Um, Once I left Marketo, I really wanted to expand out what I was doing from a marketing perspective. And I started taking on more and more responsibility in a pretty quick amount of time. Um, one of the key kind of foundations at uh, at Marketo was very much like being a revenue marketer um, and really understanding how to tie what you're doing on the marketing side to revenue for the business. And so I kind of took that with me um, across my uh, my career um, and you know ended up um, as CMO uh, working to a market to IT and security leaders. Um, and my first CMO role was at one login. Um, we were a security platform got acquired. Um, I was there for about two and a half years and we had a great successful exit. And now I am going back a little bit to a startup world, um, at a company called census also in cybersecurity as well. Um, and I own the, you know, the full marketing, uh, stack. And I also own the sales development team, which I also did actually at one login as well. Um, and so I take on, you know, big piece of, of the revenue and right now at census, we're, you know, really kind of all about scaling the business, um, creating the foundation for success on the marketing team and the sales development team, um, and then scaling it out for, for growth, um, and efficiency, um, at the same time, because, you know, everyone is worried right now about making sure that the program dollars that you spend are efficient. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's a big piece of kind of my focus also. So a good place for us to start might be when you were CMO at One Login, mm-hmm. you had mentioned that there was three previous CMOs who had failed. And you would say it failed, so they'd failed large part because they didn't know how to benchmark and track the business all the way up to the board level. 
What do you mean by that? And, and what can you share with us from that experience? Sure. So this is, you know, from from my perspective of what I kind of um, saw when I joined and also a lot of the feedback from my C-level colleagues on, you know, kind of what some of the issues were with um, the previous marketing organizations. Um, and one of the key things was really being able to, like you said, kind of track the business of marketing to determine, you know, what are we spending? What's working? What's not working? And how are we driving, you know, the bottom line to the business, which at the end of the day is pipeline and revenue. Um, so being able to make those dots or connect those dots um, was really important. And then, you know, ensure that the organization understood exactly where marketing sat in the uh, customer life cycle, you know, how we think about forecasting and really up-leveling the conversation from, you know, not just like leads and MQLs and meetings um, and brand, but how does that actually impact revenue and how can I, you know, tell that story so that, you know, I can ensure that the board and other folks on the team really understand marketing's impact on the business. Um, and, you know, I found that kind of at one login previously, um, there, there just wasn't a lot of rigor in the foundation of kind of how to do that and how to measure that and how to speak to that. Um, and so that's sometimes I find that in companies that I, you know, end up joining. So it's interesting because like impacting at the board level, their perceptions of the performance of the company and particularly what you as a CMO are doing, that's going to heavily influence the C-suite, right? And the CEO, the CRO, what they're thinking, right? So it's important that we have those day-to-day -day relationships and mm -hmm. expectations set at the C-suite level. But I've asked this question a lot, a lot of CMOs. Nobody has yet talked about we also need to have our eye focused on the board, yeah. right? And creating that relationship with the board. Now, typically, there's a lot of very, very sales-centric, right? Rightfully so, CEOs, CROs, and I imagine the board too, right? CROs, you've got quotas over your head. You've got like, there's performance this month we're trying to hit, you know, this quarter we're trying to hit. How do you balance you talked about the importance of content. I want to come back to that in a minute. But how do you balance the, the overwhelming desire for short-term performance with what you know is also seeding the ground, right, for the company as being seen as industry experts and advisors and being worthy of actually garnering time of your buyers and that content that you're creating? Yeah, I mean, it's a challenge, right? Because you kind of do both. You can't really, if you're you know, just focus on the short term um, and not the long term. You're obviously not creating a, a strategy that can last. Um, and, you know, kind of the opposite way, if you're just focused on the long term and not the short term, you're not able to see those quick gains that the CEO and the board is looking for. Right. So you've got to balance that. Um, and, you know, figure out, okay, what are the most important things that I need to be doing right now um, across the team, across, um, you know, developing the operational excellence you need? Um, and then how do I, you know, kind of balance it with some of the long-term priorities? And it's tough. And sometimes, you know, it, it waxes and wanes depending on where the business is. Um, and so sometimes I'll have more, way more time to think through some of the long-term stuff. And then sometimes I will be a little bit more focused on the short-term um, but I think, you know, the key to both of it, uh, both of them is really, you need to develop that foundation for scale. So even from a short term perspective, mm -hmm. if you don't have the right team, if you don't have the right processes, you don't have the right technology, your short term stuff isn't going to work either. 
Um, and so I've always been very specific and explicit when I'm coming into a new role uh, with the C-suite, with the board and what my process is and what they can expect um, from a short term and long term. So you've got you to make sure that you set the right expectations when you come in. Don't come in and be like, oh, in 90 days, I'm going to promise you the world. And right. all of a sudden things are going to be amazing because you're you know, that's not realistic. So being realistic is important. Saying no to things is important as well um, so that you, you know, can can deliver what you've uh, what you promise. You know, when you come in, you know, and it's it's such an important time, right, because you're proving yourself and in, in any job, in any business, you got to get some short term wins in order to build the trust in order to then say a hey, part of this process, part of this game plan is, is there's longer term, right? What are some of the short term things that you focus on that that help build that trust and confidence in the in the C-suite in, in, in yeah. the world? So I think there's kind of two uh, kind of, uh, two pieces of it. Let's start with um, one is really you need to assess the team that you have in place. Um, you know, that's that's super critical and understanding who do you have? Where are the gaps? You know, what is their level of performance? Um, because that's going to be really the key to to being successful is making sure you have the right team. Um, you can have a lot of short term gains, you know, if you have the right people in seat and you're directing them in the right way or you're able to you know, hire those roles quickly. So I'll usually, you know, start start there as a big piece of um, how I hit the ground running. The other piece is in understanding how performance have, has been historically and doing the work. Um, you know, I have kind of a, a methodology that I use when I go back in time, figure out, okay, what does the funnel look like? What are historical conversion rates? Can I figure out what some of the, you know, this what's the cost per lead, the cost per opportunity? How are each of the channels performing? Like, what can I glean? And sometimes you can, if you have a more sophisticated or you can get a lot out of that. Sometimes the data is quite limited. Um, but once you kind of figure out how things are working, and you can pinpoint the problem areas. And that's usually what I'll go and attack. So as an example, both at one login and census kind of similarly had initially uh, the problem where meetings weren't converting to qualified opportunities at the rate at which I would expect them to be. Um, and that was really where the problem area was identified because the, you know, the less meetings are converting to quality opportunities, the more you have to generate at the top of the funnel, meaning the more you have to spend. Um, in marketing. And so, you know, understanding what's causing that breakdown between marketing, the SDRs and the AEs, um, if you can kind of solve for, for that problem and with both the companies that I join, that really gave me uh, the ability to have some really quick wins because I was able to pinpoint what wasn't working and then how can I layer in there, you know, kind of what is working and then what I know from my past experiences. So that's just an example. Um, but the data will tell you as much as you can dig in and, you know, get even some data, even a little bit will give you directional, you know, knowledge. Well, good place to start out is look at the data that you have because there's a story to be told and that tells you where you need to go in and pinpoint that meeting conversion rate. We did a we did a podcast on the, the power of 1% and it was all about that making changes like even at the top of the funnel, like if you can get your click through rates on or open rates and your emails and, and ads and things like that improve by 1%, the, the impact that it has yeah. down the line. Right. So it's all about the data. I love that. I love that. So you you talked about 
at the beginning, when you're introducing yourself, the importance of content and the foundation. I, I can't imagine creating content for marketers, especially coming from Marketo, who, you know, is a is in a position as an authority in the industry to begin with. So when Marketo puts out content, right, the expectation is going to be that it's going to be really high, right? So tell me though, I'm gonna I'm gonna start out with just a, a general question, but very telling. If in your opinion, I want to know how important you think marketing marketing is to the overall growth and success of the company. I'm going to actually have you put a rating on it. Like one, it's not important at all, right? 10, it's actually vital. I mean, it's vital to the growth and the success of this company. Where would you put it on that rating scale and and why? Uh, Where I would put marketing itself or content? Content. Okay. Um, 10, I would put it as a 10. I'm a huge proponent of content um, as being really the foundation for everything that we do. So when I'm doing, um, a, you know, when I'm planning for, you know, my quarter or year, it all starts out with what content are we building? And that's going to align with like business themes and strategies, product launches, customer stories, other things. And then from there, I mean, every program that I'm doing is based in content, whether it's, you know, obviously the stuff you're doing on the website from an SEO perspective, PR, you know, uh, content syndication, digital advertising, social media, it all goes back to the content. Um, And it's really that content that drives in in many ways, the success of those programs. Um, Also in how you're nurturing your database, making sure that you're always giving them fresh things to look at. Um, If we don't have content, then our programs are just not going to be successful Um, because you have to understand also like how, how, um, how people buy, how organizations buy. Um, They don't just want a demo all the time. They just don't want that sales content always. You need to nurture them. You need to educate them. And you can't do that without a solid content strategy. I, I talked to a, a multiple times B2B CMO the other day. And I said, you realize, Patrick, you have just said for the 10th time in our conversation, our sales guys, they need something more in this ABM process to keep the conversation alive than just I'm selling right? You got to keep adding value. Nobody wants to be sold to. They want to be advised. They want to be helped, right? And that that transcends. So when you talk about content, how much of the content, give me a kind of a breakdown maybe of, you know, content that would be more in the product marketing focused area of content, content that's more in thought leadership, advisory role. How do you think about the balance of those two and, and where they're used and how they're used. Yeah. So um, as far as the the balance, like we, you know, we pretty much when I joined, we created a content matrix to figure out like wh- what we had for each stage of the buyer journey, for what persona, what product, and, you know, we're able to fill in the gaps there. Um, I would say, you know, the probably the most, uh, the biggest bucket of content we create uh, is our kind of top funnel thought leadership and kind of educational content. So a census that's done a couple of different ways. So one is, you know, we have the stuff that we create in the marketing team that we work with subject matter experts in the business to help our customers be, you know, better at their jobs, not necessarily focused on product yet, but, you know, some of the general concepts around it. We also are lucky uh, that we have an internal research team um, that reports up into like our product function. Uh, basically, their job is to use the census platform uh, to do the research and to come up with, you know, different trend reports on Internet and fraud and security. 
Um, and so they put out a lot of content as well. So they do uh, kind of annual reports. Um, we also have them on something called rapid response. So if there's a new you know, breach or critical event um, that happens in security, they respond to it right away and they write content and we push it out through PR channels. Um, and so we kind of have both of those facets where, uh, you know, we're educating the audience, but we're also trying to be like the front runners in commentary around like what's going on in, in the world generally. Um, and so that's a pretty big bucket of content um, that we have. Also, you know, we work on mid funnel content, which is usually a partnership between like my content folks and my product marketing team, um, where it's not just like demo content, but it's bringing in some value of like, how do you use these different features? How do you, you know, develop like a business case um, and those types of pieces. Um, and then as far as like kind of our bottom funnel content, our product stuff, like that's mostly the product marketing team that worked really closely with our uh, product organization to develop, you know, both external and internal facing materials that's very specific to the product. Um, and so the goal is to make sure that we're covering all facets of the buyer journey across all the different product lines and, you know, also um, layering in their personas and eventually kind of verticals as well. So there's a lot that you're doing there. Um, yes. Understand more about why you put a 10 on content, right? That was all content that you were talking about there. You, The last time that you and I spoke, you were actually in the middle of an initiative of funnel acceleration in the mid-funnel. Tell us a little bit about when you think of the concept of funnel acceleration and the importance of content, I'm sure, and how that, what does that mean to you? And what is that initiative? What does that really mean? Yeah. So when I'm talking about mid-funnel acceleration, it's, it's a couple of different things. On the marketing side, it's really, you know, focusing on moving people through our funnel that are, you know, ready in funnel, right? So focusing less on that top funnel lead gen and more on how do we move, you know, MQLs to meetings or how do we move meetings to opportunities? Um, how do we move opportunities to deals? Um, and so not only do we create content that's aligned to like that mid funnel journey, um, which is more product focused, you know, it's like the buyer's guys, the analyst reports, um, the ROI calculators, that sort of thing. Um, but we also run a lot of kind of targeted programs that are specifically aimed at the mid funnel. So we almost take like an ABM approach to it where it's like, we know, who is, uh, you know, a, a meet an SQL or an opportunity, and we're actually serving ads to them through like a Sixth Sense platform. Um, so we can we can do a lot there. We're also using that to create a lot of webinars and email nurtures. So anything that targets, you know, kind of that mid funnel area on the marketing side, and then on the sales side, um, that's a key piece of it as well. So how can we partner with the SDR team and the AEs? Um, to help them accelerate, you know, their their opportunities to deals. Um, and so we're running a lot of targeted, um, you know, field marketing campaigns. Uh, we've seen a lot of success, actually, with some direct mail campaigns we've been doing recently, um, where we're doing kind of an outbound assisted program. So like the SDRs are going outbound, um, but we're providing them with this campaign and direct mail pieces um, and kind of giveaways for meetings that they can leverage. And that's been super successful. And we've seen um, a huge increase in outbound source meetings because we're all kind of partnering together um, at the end of the day, again, for that same goal of 
revenue, it doesn't really matter where things are sourced, whether it's an SDR outbound or a marketing lead. Um, so putting dollars to, you know, less from to lead gen and more to move things for fit faster. And, you know, not every CMO has the SDR BDR function reporting to them. Um, what is your thought in terms of where that should sit in an organization? Should it sit under the CRO, the CMO? Where, where should it be? I mean, I think it really depends on the organization, to be honest. Um, I think, I mean, I've seen it work both ways, certainly. Um, it's a little bit less common for it to report into, you know, a CMO. Um, but I think, you know, what matters is who's got kind of the, the will and the time and the energy, honestly, to put towards it. Um, and who understands, you know, how an SDR team functions and how it aligns sales and marketing together. Um, and, you know, kind of understands the importance of building that foundation and that strategy. Um, and I just, it's just so happens that, you know, I enjoy SDRs. I've had a lot of success in both building outbound programs and inbound and kind of developing teams. It's a lot, I mean, it's a lot of work. Um, and not, you know, if you're a CRO and you're kind of building out a sales organization, you're in a scrappy startup, like you might not have the time or the energy to put towards really developing an SDR team. Um, and so I think it very much just depends on the, on the organization, um, to, to be honest. Uh, so I don't have necessarily, a you know, kind of a one way or another. I think it's, uh, it's very specific to how you, how you, you're set up. You know, one of the things that that you had touched on just a little bit earlier. I just wanted to kind of accentuate as a really important point, you know, and it's not just for SaaS companies. Every, every B2B company is a data company these days. We all have data and we all have, you know, our clients have their data and they may not even be looking at it, right? But we have data across all of our client base, right? Across these industries and verticals and that you have an internal research team that is looking at that and creating content out of that. That's one of the biggest areas I think in SaaS and, and B2B in general is not taking advantage of that because tell us your thought on, to me, the best thought leadership content is A, it's educating, it's value, it's, you know, it's advising, but it's only sourced from you as the company, right? Like that is your own data. Right. So that nobody else can provide that. We're trying to be unique. We're trying to provide a unique voice and and unique, you know, recommendations and 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 recommendations. How important do you think that is? You've been obviously at, at companies that don't have that, and and now that do that does it here at Census. What's your your thought on how important that is? So, I mean, I think it's important if you're able to operationalize it and not every company can, um, and not every company has the, you know, has that data and the ability to go out and tell that story. Um, I think Sense is unique in that, like our platform itself, I mean, we scan the internet and hold um, a ton of data on our platform. And so like we, our platform itself is you know, our biggest differentiator is data. So to have a research team that's able to mine that is really important to, you know, our strategy kind of as a business. Um, I think in other organizations, it might not be as important, just depending on, um, you know, how that's set up. So at previous organizations, I didn't have a research team. So we had to do a lot of the, you know, a lot of the research internally and in marketing, 
Um, I think it really, it really depends. Does your, does your product lend itself to that? Or is it kind of more of a stretch? Um, and then again, what stage business are you in? Like if you're a much larger organization, maybe you can fund that. Uh, type of project, even if it's not like core to your business. But if you're smaller and it's not core to your business, then it's a little bit more difficult. Yeah, the degree of difficulty is it, it's, the bar is rising. So we've talked about a lot <laughs> in a short period of time here. But if there was uh, there was one thing that you wanted the audience of C-suite marketers, you know, CMOs, CROs that are very involved that you wanted them to take away, especially as your background is CMO and CRO. There was one thing that you wanted to leave us with. What would it be? So I think um, the first thing is, you know, like I've said throughout the podcast, um, you know, be close to the data understand it yourself as a CMO, you know, don't just rely on your team to pull it. Um, I make sure that I understand all the reports that come across my desk or, you know, so that I could even pull them myself. I can go into Domo and do my own stuff so that you can answer those questions. Um, I think the other thing that we kind of touched on, but didn't go into in, in depth um, is really building that relationship across the sales and marketing team, particularly at the top uh, between the CMO and the CRO in your, in your organization. You guys need to be like totally aligned, like two peas in a pod, um, understand each other's businesses and kind of respect the contributions that each other makes. Um, and I've had the best successes in organizations that had really tight alignment uh, between the two functions. So I would I would leave with that as well as like build out that relationship. Well, Dana, if if people had follow up questions, they wanted to get a hold of you. If we put up a link to your LinkedIn profile, would that be the sure. best way to do that? Yeah, that's great. Fantastic. Well, thank you for coming on and, and sharing all these insights. You've got a really intriguing mix between your days at Marketo and content, CMO, CRO, overseeing the SDR function, which can, which can you know report into either of those areas. Um, so we really appreciate you spending the time with us and, and helping us understand what, what makes success in your terms. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been great.